Hey there, SLP. You are listening to this podcast, so I know that you love to listen to podcasts. And if that is the case, then I know that you are going to love my secret private podcast, Secondary Secrets for SLPs. It's six short episodes that will have you walking away feeling refreshed and inspired and ready to take on those challenging secondary speech students. So if you work with grades four through 12 and are in a planning rut or wanting some fresh new ideas to keep your students motivated, make sure you head to speechtimefun.com slash secondary secrets. You are not going to find this podcast in your iTunes podcast search browser. You can only get access by going to that link. So head to it now. It is six short episodes that you can listen to it in under an hour, like totally Netflix binge-worthy. I made this just for you, and I know you are going to love it. SLPs have been telling me already that it has changed their way for working with their older speech students. So head on over, again, to speechtimefund.com slash secondarysecrets, or use the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's head on to this week's episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You are listening to SLP Coffee Talk. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, and I am a licensed speech-language pathologist who is in the trenches working full-time in a public school in New York. I am the author of the blog and Teachers Pay Teachers store, Speech Time Fun, where I love helping other SLPs conquer the overwhelm and get back hours spent on prepping activities. I am here to help you be the best SLP you can be and have fun while doing it. Just like your morning cup of coffee, this podcast is just what you need to start the day or week. Let's jump into today's Coffee Talk. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. I am so excited to bring you today's guest who is not an SLP, but is an author of a children's book that you might have seen floating around social media over the last, I don't know, year at this point. (laughs) So welcome, Haley Glenn, to the show. Tell us a little about you and your educational journey and how you came to write a children's book. So yeah, happy to be here. Actually, really excited. My name is Haley Glenn. I am born and raised in Buffalo, New York. I am currently a first grade teacher for Buffalo Public Schools. This is my fourth year. I teach um, first grade and I absolutely love it. I've taught first grade all four years and I just think it is such a fantastic grade. I have a first grader at home, so <laughs> so I also near dear, yes. <laughs> One of my favorite coworkers calls it the butterfly year because they come in little caterpillars and when they leave, they're like reading and independent. It's just such a magical year. I absolutely adore it. But yeah, so I recently became an author on top of being a first grade teacher, which has been a really fun and exciting and kind of wild journey, honestly. I never anticipated becoming an author at all. It was never something that even crossed my mind. But when the pandemic came around, I wanted to think of a way to help my students understand what was going on because I myself was having trouble understanding what was going on. So I couldn't imagine their their little brains and being ripped away from their routine, what, what was buzzing around in there. So my mom said, hey, I'll write a book. And I was like, write a book? Like, mom, what are you talking about? 
She's like, you love to write, you love to draw, you could even illustrate it. Just do it. I mean, like we're in a pandemic. What else are you going to do? You can't go hang out with your friends. I'm like, you know what? You're not wrong. So, um, so I started like writing down ideas and one night I just kind of sat down and, and did it. And then the harder part was the illustrations took, took me a few weeks to complete. And then, um, navigating the publishing world Mm -hmm. was brand, brand new to me. So that was interesting as well. But yeah, so I published that my first book called when Bruno the Corona came to town end of May, it ended up taking off in, in a wild way. When I was writing it, my mom said to me, Hale, are you going to be upset if you only sell like 20 copies to friends and family? <laughs> I was like, yeah, it is a cool experience. It is what it is. But um, it ended up being like an Amazon bestseller. It sold over 50,000 copies since the end of May when it was published. And um, it has like over a thousand reviews on Amazon. Amazing. It's, yeah, it's been a very cool journey. And then um, this past week, I actually just published my other book, my second book. I, I saw that. I, I was know. like, you go, girl. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what's the name of the second book? The second book is called Cornelia Spunk Can Learn Next to a Skunk. So the first one, Verona the Corona, addresses the pandemic in a child-friendly way. And with this book, I wanted to address the different learning situations that kids are being put in right now, hybrid, virtual. They're kind of learning from literally anywhere but a normal classroom at this point. It's very hard for a lot of them. So it kind of just encourages kids to own their learning journey, gives them different tips and tricks. Um, it's fun. Again, it's rhyming and it's it's goofy. So it appeals to kids. She like learns on Mars and on top of a pie. And I don't know. I tried to make it engaging and, and fun and cute as best I could. Add to my Amazon cart for my own child at home. Aww. Oh my gosh, you'll have to let me know. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and I should put the disclaimer out. So we are recording this episode like the last week, like the week before Christmas. So mm-hmm. my daughter, who's in first grade, her kindergarten experience got cut, you know, short and had to go from, you know, loving learning and to... I hate, and here's her mom, an educator. Like, I hate learning from mommy. And I only see my teachers one hour, like a day. Yeah. And, so, and like, just having to do like computer work. And then this week, she's virtual again. And I'm just, and I'm like, oh my goodness, you're virtual again. <laughs> How are we going to survive so this? Bizarre. I know. <laughs> but hey, I will say, I love being a fly on the wall as a parent to oh, be, yeah. being on the flip sure. side. But I'm going to definitely, I want to put that disclaimer out of when this is recorded because who knows what. The world will look like in you know <laughs> two months yeah, what, kind of, to imagine at this what point. kind of situation right. I know. <laughs> so yes I would love to hear what like I know what inspired you to write this book obviously come hmm. with the pandemic and this one but like what guided you to figure out how to put it on paper to explain it to kids like I wouldn't even know where to begin I can't I had a hard enough time explaining it to my own children yes you know I don't know I I, I just I think I have a weird knack for rhyming like, I don't know where that came from. Um, <laughs> something I just recently realized as I started writing these books. But the first thing I do is I kind of make a list of points that I want to cover, points that I want to make, topics that I want to cover in the book. And if I come up with a page or something that I like, I'll, I'll write it down as soon as I think of it. And sometimes I move pages around so that the story flows better. But yeah, just it's a work in progress for a, a month, maybe a little bit even more. 
my poor family, I make them read it like 800 times. I'm like, does this sound better or does this sound better? They're like, Haley, it does not make a difference. It's one word. I'm like, but it does. Um, but you're going to bring it to the rest of the family no matter what. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. But, yeah. So how, what were your own students' responses when you presented <laughs> a piece of literature to them to help explain the coronavirus and the well, pandemic? Well, I think... I think that they are just extremely excited because they have this impression that I'm famous now. And I'm like, guys, I'm not, I'm not famous, but I love you. Um, so they think that it's really cool. And like, now that we're virtual, there'll be like a pause in the lesson and they'll just like hold my book up to the screen. I'm like, you guys, they're just so cute. They, um, so they love it. But I think for any child, I think that a child friendly book is a really good way to open up that dialogue and start that conversation because I mean, you're talking to children all day long. So this different piece that you bring in just kind of opens that door and catches their attention, which allows you to start start the conversation on mm-hmm. a, a difficult topic like distance learning or um, a pandemic. I mean, wearing masks, you know, oh. you're seeing your friends and like stay six right. feet apart. Like, I think that was the hardest part. Like, in kindergarten, my daughter was sitting in a table with her friend right next to her. Now, first grade, she's in behind plexiglass, six feet mm-hmm. apart. It's like so, so different. So what kind of feedback from either your own students or from people around the world that you got that they like what feedback or words have you gotten that have helped their children or students, you know, understand this? So I think having characters to relate to is huge. Like my first book, the main character is Mary Ellen. And just even kind of personifying the virus, like Verona, the Corona, it helps them better understand it because you can explain a virus to them. It's this thing that you can't even see. It's just so difficult for them to wrap their heads around. It's difficult for a lot of adults Mm -hmm. to wrap their heads around. So when you when you really just break it down and put it into simpler terms and, you know, this is a virus, this is Verona the Corona, she's making everybody sick to protect ourselves from Verona the Corona, we need to be wearing a mask, we need to be washing our hands. If you are out in public and touching things, some of Verona might get on your hands, so go home and sing the ABCs twice as you scrub your hands. So I think that having those characters to relate to and understand has helped a lot of children. Um, I also put like a little poster in the back of Verona the Corona with a picture of Verona and a reminder to wash your hands twice that a lot of parents have sent me the cutest pictures of the poster like by their bathroom sinks, which is just adorable. So I think that, yeah, I think having characters to relate to is really huge for a lot of kiddos. That's that's so, so amazing. And that's with any like tough situation that our students or children go through, like whether it's a divorce or a death in the family, there's always, Mm -hmm. there's always, you can find a book and if not write it um, about dealing with these or like just come up with a fictional story to helping them cope with those different things versus having to have that like awkward conversation can really just break the ice and help them understand. So that's so, so true. So amazing. I love it. And I love it that you even had like the picture of a poster. So something like you're here now you understand now use it in practice. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. What other advice would you give to someone who is struggling to explain this to their students, like why things keep changing and what would you say to them? I mean, I would say just, just be open and honest with the kiddos. Like I've had, I've done a lot of read alouds and, um, I was doing a read aloud the other day and I always do a question portion at the end. And one of the kids asked me like, 
why, because one of the questions in the book is why is Verona the chronosamine? They're like, well, why is Verona the chronosamine? And I was like, you know what? I, I really don't have the answer to that. Like what I do know is how we can protect ourselves from a virus. So that's something that we can focus on. Um, and then another focus in the book is one of the pages says, I know for sure Verona the Corona is bad, but that doesn't mean I always have to be sad. So again, it's kind of putting it in those kid-friendly terms. Like, yes, this is not a good thing that's happening, but it doesn't mean that we have to be in a constant state of sadness. Like we're still allowed to find things that brighten our day, bring us a little bit of joy here and there. I love that. I love that. Any other great discussion questions that you've utilized, like used with the book and your students um, that you would recommend? I mean, I think it's really important to ask the children how they are feeling about the virus. Like, are you scared? What are you scared of? And address those fears. And I think it's also extremely, extremely important to validate their feelings. It's okay to be feeling like that. Support them in their feelings and help them through the difficult ones. And even also but like with the distance learning and the changing of learning behaviors, what other what are some good discussion topics um, to follow along with that story? What would you recommend? So for Cornelia Spunk, I mean, so I just released it. So I actually haven't done any read alouds yet. Um, I'm reading it to my own students tomorrow. So I'm extremely excited for that. So we'll see what kind of questions I get. But I mean, I think that you could do like a compare and contrast. Like, what do you miss? And then like a pros and cons list. Like, what are the what are the pros of when we used to be in school together and what were the cons? What are the pros of how we are now to just help the kids find those little bits and pieces of happiness now, you know, Mm -hmm. and what are the cons and how can we address those? How can we make the best of those? And I think with distance learning, again, I am all for positivity in the, in children's books and teaching. I absolutely love it, but I do think that we also need to be realistic. So in my second book, Cornelia Spunk and the next to a skunk, it also talks about like, it's not always going to be easy. It's not supposed to always be easy and, and that's okay. It's just, if you own your learning journey, you will know like if you need to take a step back, do you need to take a break? Are you getting overwhelmed? How can you identify when you're overwhelmed and what kind of little brain breaks can you do to reset yourself mm-hmm. or help yourself go back and focus afterwards? And it also talks about not comparing yourself to others because everybody learns at different rates. Everybody works at different paces and that's okay. That even in a sense goes back to the appreciation of diversity and kind of just embracing differences and not becoming overwhelmed because people are working at different paces than you are. Mm -hmm. Like I know my daughter was like jealous of like some of her friends like desk areas and like one of the one of the the, like assignments they were working on was like what what are some things you want like wants and needs just one of that she's like I want a desk I'm like you you taking up my whole entire dining room table isn't enough like (laughs) like something I gotta throw something out if you want a desk like Clear out your bedroom, move to the couch. <laughs> exactly. Like, hopefully this is going to be short-lived. Like, <laughs> Right. <laughs> but I know for my own students, the ones that I'm teaching virtually, you know, that opted to be fully virtual all year long, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they need to understand what they need to do to advocate for themselves to have a yes. better learning environment. Do they yep. need to go find a quieter space? What mm-hmm. supplies do they need to have right near them? And do they have to ask a parent to make sure they have it? So I love that starting the conversation with them saying, 
you know, it might not be easy, but we got to make the best of it. And I love that. Love that. Love it. Yeah. My class motto with my kids is we can do hard things because it kind of applies to everything. Like it applies to academics, like Miss Glenn, this math problem is too hard. And like, okay, yes, it is a difficult math problem, but what can we do? We can do hard things. Sometimes we might need to take a step away and come back after and that's completely fine. That's okay, but you can do it. So it's just, yeah, ties into having that grit, not giving up, um, owning your learning journey, advocating for yourself, knowing how to self-start, knowing how to tap into your... Like there's a page in the book that says like, check in with your brain or something. I can't quite remember what I put, but being able to check in with yourself and identify what you need. That's awesome. That's huge. That's mm-hmm. so huge. And our, our students, any student can benefit from that, no matter what situation they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice would you give to someone who wants to incorporate more books in their teaching, but they're virtual and it, it have those challenges? What would you recommend? I mean, I read to my students multiple times a week and they love it. We make a little thing of it. I let them grab a blanket. Um, obviously, we set the ground rules before. Like if, if you're bringing a stuffed animal that day, are we supposed to see it on the screen? No, you know what I mean? So if you set the ground rules, you can do fun things like that. But um, we make it like a cozy time. We talk about the book. They know the questions that I'm going to ask um, ahead of time. I'm going to ask them, what was your favorite page? What is something new that you learned? Just to give them things that they need to be attentive towards during during the story. But I just think it's such a fabulous way to broaden their horizons and get their little minds thinking and bring up difficult topics. And I think a big concern is a lot of teachers think that they need to have the book on the screen, but I just, I literally have the book in my hands and I hold the page to the screen and they can see it just fine. I mean, that's, what, that's what you would do in the classroom anyway. Yeah, it doesn't have to be this huge production. It, it's really simple. Just read the book, hold it up. Perfect. Yeah. I don't have any fancy like document cameras or virtual background. You know what? Let's, let's simple. We'll cut ourselves some slack <laughs> where we can. Let's, let's spend that time in other, in other areas of our job, right? Not, not in so much. And I'm not knocking anyone that is doing that, but no, no, sometimes, sometimes it's okay to just grab a book and just read it and, and totally. put, put the document camera aside. Our students mm-hmm. won't mind. They won't know that it could have been presented in a different way or they, they don't know the difference. So exactly. So any other tips or advice you would give to educators, speech pathologists, especially like who are, have students that really struggle with just comprehension about anything and social skills, help with just dealing with difficult situations using books. But any other tips or advice? I mean, I would just keep reading to them, keep listening to their fears, their feelings, validate them every single time and help them figure out how to come up with their own solutions to deal with their fears, their problems. And obviously, like if they're really stuck or if they're very overwhelmed and they can't think of anything in that moment, support them. But um, I think that we'd be surprised what a lot of kids can come up with. And it means a whole lot more when it comes from themselves. They're like, oh, I actually do know a way that I can solve this problem. Mm -hmm. I actually do know a way that I can make this better or help myself. And I can do that. Um, And then next time when they have that fear or have that problem and you're not there, they might think back to the time that they were with you, but they came up with it on their own and then they can figure it out themselves again. So it's just kind of empowering them 
to help themselves really. So, so true. And like, I find that so often we get so stuck to the plan and Mm -hmm. time crunch and there's no time for that dialogue, but this time more than ever, our Mm -hmm. students need a little bit of normalcy and someone to listen to them. Absolutely. I, I could not agree more. And it's okay to put the lesson plan on hold Mm -hmm. or so what, if you don't finish that activity, it's okay. Even now, like, I'm always like, so what did you do this weekend? Like, nothing. I'm like, let's talk. Like, what movies did you watch? You did. I know we did. I didn't do anything either. I'm stuck home too. But I watched a movie. I baked cookies. That's something. Like, so just showing them that someone's there to listen. It really um, is very beneficial these these times more than ever. Absolutely. And especially, like, as teachers, our job is not just to teach academic content. Like it's to teach kids on top of those social emotional skills, but it's to teach kids to actually love learning. Like you want them, you want them to like coming to school. You want them to like interacting with their teachers and their peers and, you know, coming to coming to school, whether it's online or, or in person, um, just kind of spur that, that love for lifelong learning. And I think one of the biggest ways to do that is, to kind of think about like why why we're in the profession as an SLP, as a therapist, as a teacher. We're all in it for the same reason. We want the best for the kids. It, it's all about how, how we're making them feel. And you know, somebody, they say like, people will forget what you said, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And that really is so true. So like if a child is struggling with with a math question, like, or an EL or or a word, like support them, help them through it. Let them know it's okay. Like Mm -hmm. that constant validation of like, it's not a big deal. I can't tell you how many times I say that in my lessons, like, Oh, everyone works at different paces. It's not a big deal, blah, blah, blah. Whether it needs to be said or not, it's just that hammering it in. Like when you hear things over and over and over, you start to believe them, which is so important. And our our students need that. Now, now especially more than ever, they need Mm -hmm. to realize that they're being heard, that it's okay, that they'll get there. Eventually everyone's different. It's so, so true. So true. And now I have to ask before we wrap things up, I have to ask a fun question. <laughs> okay. So how did your principal react when you wrote with the- <gasps> my principal, <laughs> she's so supportive. Um, so my first book, so she actually has two uh, kids that are primary age in my school. So she bought a copy for both of them and she's so, so excited about it. Asked me how it was going. And then I, I just published my second one and she like posted it to our entire school group chat, like with all the parents and everything. She's like, this is so cool. Like a very own author, check this book out, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, she's very supportive. It's awesome. Cause I know you guys are all thinking that like, you know, <laughs> I know you never know. Never, you never know. You never know. But it's, I can't imagine cause it's such a great, it's such a good, amazing story and amazing book. Mm-hmm. And such a great accomplishment. I can't believe you pulled it off in two months. Like that is amazing. And you should be so proud of yourself. So, 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 so amazing. (laughs) So where could people learn more about your books, learn more about you? Where can people find you? I'm on like pretty much every social media platform, but Instagram is my, the one that I pay the most attention to, I would say. I try to answer all my DMs on Instagram. So if you have a question or something, hit me up there. But my Instagram is growing underscore with underscore Glenn. And I'm some form of growing with Glenn on all the other social medias as well. My books, both Verona the Corona and Cornelia Spunk are on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. 
And then I do occasionally offer signed copies again through Instagram. So if you do really want one of those, you could message me. They could message me on Instagram and I could help them out with that there. And we'll have links to all those in the show notes and not to worry. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) So thank you, Haley, so much. This is so awesome talking to you. Um, I know your students are so lucky to have you as their teacher because you can really understand how to communicate this these difficult topics with them and helping them understand them. These, these <laughs> difficult, crazy world times. No, no, seriously, seriously. It's such a, so, so cool. And really books really are a great way to start a topic of any conversation with students or dealing with any sort of challenging behavior, anything that's difficult yeah. for us to explain to them there might be a book out there for it. So I love that there's now two books to explain (laughs) what is going on in this crazy pandemic world. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I always like to end my episodes with a joke. Do you have a favorite joke by any chance? Oh my gosh, I totally do. My Let's hear it. Okay, so I have to tell you too. My first graders, I don't know how this became a thing, but they tell me jokes every day now on our <laughs> virtual lessons. Like, Miss Glenn, can I tell you a joke? Can I stay on after and tell you another one? I'm like, yes, of course. Okay, so one, one of my students told me this one the other day. Why was the baby giraffe late to school? Why? Because the mom got stuck in a giraffic jam. <laughs> okay, that one made me actually laugh out loud. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> I can totally see like my daughter and her friends saying that. So yes. the one 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 that I got today was um what do you call a grizzly bear that's stuck in the rain? What? A drizzly bear. <laughs> So appropriate for (laughs) our students. And you know what? We need need them to love learning and love coming to school, whether it's in person or on a screen. So use these jokes with your students this week because it'll make them laugh and it'll make us laugh as well. So thank you, Haley, so much. I appreciate you coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Until next week, everyone, stay out of trouble. Do you love incorporating literacy-based activities in your speech room? Are you looking for more storybooks to add to your collection that are perfect for speech and language therapy? Did you know that I wrote a children's book? Ella Bella Just Can't Tell Ya is perfect for working on sequencing, describing, WH questions, and more. It is perfect for students with word-finding difficulties too. Check it out on Amazon by going to speechtimefun.com slash Ella Thanks for tuning in for another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at www.speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any future episodes. While you are there, it would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun, and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys.